Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On this week's show, our 500th episode of The Michigan Man, Steve Lawrence from 24-7 Sports returns with our May recruiting update. Of course, there's been other big news this week. We know all about our new head coach, basketball coach Jawan Howard of Fab Five fame coming back. Steve and I talked about that during the uh, interview when we were taping, but that was done earlier this week, so we all know what has happened since. But I think you'll see Steve was spot on in his assessment of who should be our next head basketball coach. Before he joins us, a few of my thoughts to get us started. As I just mentioned, we have our new head coach. Jawan Howard is coming home. He signed a five-year deal and will be introduced as John Beeline's successor at a presser sometime next week. Now, I'm excited about the hire. At the same time, somewhat nervous. Uh, yes, Jawan Howard, we know of the Fab Five, also had 19 years as a player in the NBA, six as an assistant coach, and is highly regarded in basketball circles everywhere. The fact is, he has never been a head coach at any level. There seems to be a trend in recent years of former players from the NBA coming back to coach college ball, some at their alma maters, and the results have been mixed. Only time will tell. I'll defer to Ward Manuel on this decision. He really didn't have much time to get it done, but I'm sure he made the choice he thought would put Michigan in the best position to continue what Coach B has started. For right now, there isn't much more to say other than, welcome home, Jawan. We'll talk more about what's next for Michigan hoops in the coming weeks. Michigan's 2020 recruiting class is small right now, but that could change dramatically in the coming weeks of summer. My guest today doesn't think there is much to worry about. He says Michigan is on some big-time talent and should end up with a very highly ranked class. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports is up next on our game day segment here on The Michigan Man in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us for our monthly recruiting update for the month of May, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. Once again, Steve, great to have you with us. Thanks, Mike. Well, it's uh, not been a a really busy time on the recruiting scene, but as always, there is news. Uh, Just this week on Monday, Oak Park lineman Justin Rogers committed to Kentucky. Now, we've talked about him on several shows. I know you didn't think he was going to Michigan, and we found out Monday he wasn't. So not a surprise, was it, Steve? No. We'll call this his first commitment uh, to Kentucky. Um, again, great kid. I don't even mean that as a negative. I just uh, the tenor of this recruitment kind of lends pretty much anyone who's been covering it to believe that you know he's probably eventually, at the very least, going to keep taking visits. Uh, either way, though, not optimistic that Michigan would be one of the schools to benefit from it, barring you know, some sort of change. You know, I think um, you look back at his recruitment, Ohio State led at one point, Georgia led at one point, Tennessee led at one point, you know, and then kind of the last month or so it started to trend towards Kentucky. Now, to his credit, part of that's because he's been pretty open about it. You know, so it's like, could say like, well, that might be what every kid goes through. You know, it's just a lot of them don't, publicly sit there or don't publicly talk about you know who's maybe ahead or which school they're preferring at the time so 
uh, in one, I guess one way to look at it is like the way he went about his recruitment at this point is, has been a little more open, you know, than a lot of guys are. So that being said, like, I, you know, I don't believe Michigan's a school that will benefit if he was to reopen things. Um, you know, Mark Juan McCall from Oak Park committed, signed with Kentucky last year, has had a great experience down there so far. You know, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to open things back up uh, because McCall's had such a good experience. But like I said, just the way the recruitment has kind of played out, I just suspect. And that goes for a lot of, you know, pretty much anybody at this point, though, because, you know, if Kentucky comes out and plays 500 ball, you know, and Georgia wins 11, 12 games or Tennessee has a good year or something like that, you know, a lot of guys in that position are going to maybe give those schools a second look. But even with that, you know, he's kind of been pretty back and forth throughout his recruitment. So uh, we'll see where that goes. You would think you're probably right. This this could change. I, I laughed uh, on Monday when I was listening to uh, him answer questions, and someone asked him, when did you make up your mind, Justin? He said, just now. So <laughs> it could I mean, change. He's been an interesting one to cover, no doubt. I mean, got a lot of offers early, you know, uh, which leads to – you know, and we're part of the problem. I've always said it, you know, reporters hitting these guys up, doing these big flashy articles on them. You know, I think they get a lot of attention. They start to like it. Uh, I know I would, if I was a high school, you know, if I was in that position, I, I'd, I'd probably be the same way to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> that kind of sums it up actually. I didn't know he said that, but that pretty much kind of sums it up there. So um, we'll see, you know, I, I don't know, like maybe Michigan will kind of keep going with him. You know, they, they signed the six they got last year. Uh, they just got another commitment up front, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. And then, you know, so they're kind of in a great position up front on the offensive line. So they may just kind of keep going there, see where things go, just because he is so talented. Um, but, again, it's not definitely not a recruitment I'd be holding my breath with, and it's not one I would have been holding my breath with heading into the announcement. I mean, we made it pretty clear on our site for – months that he was going to end up elsewhere and that was despite during basketball season I want to say he came up for like four or five games like he was on campus a lot Um, but even then uh, optimism was always very very low. Well we've had some commitments in the uh, the last couple of weeks and let's start with uh, an offensive lineman 2020 class Zach Winter from Massachusetts right now he's a four-star talk about him Steve. He was a top target for them Uh, you know we have our top targets page on 24-7 which i try to keep updated it's it's still down uh it's been down for a while now i'm hoping they fix it but either way zinter's a guy six seven eight months has been on that list in our opinion a guy that kind of fills to me sort of fills a uh carson barnhart ben bredesen type role as a guy that they really look at as somebody who could eventually play anywhere across the offensive line so it really gives them a lot of flexibility, you know, as far as like who they pursue going forward. You know, I mean, if they think they believe he can be a tackle. So if they're, you know, if they maybe get an elite guard or an interior guy, you know, they'd be in good shape there or, or the opposite. You know, if they, if they reel in a couple of elite tackles, then maybe they kind of streamline them into playing guard at some point. So yeah, big win for them. I know Penn state was pretty hard after him. Um, Notre Dame, I think was a really big factor for a while, but they've done a great job recruiting their offensive line. I don't know if they have as many spots as they did at one point. So, uh, 
debatable what happened there. But either way, though, it's the way I always say is, like, who cares? Uh, he's the guy that Michigan wanted, and, and they got him. I mean, again, Ed Warner continues to do a really, really good job recruiting the offensive line, you know, especially when you consider, like, like I said about signing six. Not easy to recruit the next class after you've signed six guys up front. I mean, it's just, you know, schools are going to use that against you. You know, you're going to have to wait, you know, how long. You know, Michigan just signed six offensive linemen the year before. You know, you're not going to get this. You're not going to see the field for three years. You know, we signed two. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, like, it's not easy to recruit, you know, in that position, which, you know, in fact, I think that's probably what cost them Noah Nelson, who committed to Oklahoma a couple weeks ago, uh, was the depth chart situation. I'm, I'm almost certain of it, you know. So with that in mind, you know, to get another top guy on board, and they're still in pretty good position with some others up front, you know, I think Ed Warner continues to do a really good job. Well, the other big commit in the last couple of weeks is from the class of 2021, uh, four-star J.J. McCarthy. He's from LaGrange, Illinois, Nazareth High School, big Catholic school uh, in Illinois. And all of the services, uh, everyone that's written anything about this kid they love him, Steve. He could easily be the top quarterback in the class, and it's it's going to be a strong class too. Um, you know, which says even more about McCarthy's abilities. Uh, I think it's one of the bigger commitments Michigan's gotten in a while. I know it's 2021. I know he can't sign for a while, um, but I think this was a pretty significant commitment for them. Kind of goes without saying. If I think he might be the best quarterback prospect in this class, he'd probably be a four star in the 2020 class too makes all the throws, talent up the wazoo, uh, was a top target for them too. Kind of a guy that I feel like good about. I kind of projected this to an extent. And going into the visit, uh, I believe Ohio State had gotten a couple crystal ball predictions, and there was still some buzz about Northwestern, you know, which is right outside of where he lives, as being the two schools to be. But I had a hunch based on my own intuition and in talking to a couple of people that Michigan was going to make a, a really significant move with him on the visit. And, and they did. It was after that visit that the crystal ball, you know, started to flip heavily towards Michigan, you know, and they're able to get him, I think a month later, you know, he comes back up to visit basically to commit. And, uh, you know, that they've just done such a good, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, people still talk so much about the, you know, Harbaugh and it's always transfer quarterbacks and mm -hmm. that type of stuff. But it's what's funny is that they've done such a great job recruiting the quarterback position. Like, you know, I mean, you go, you look at, you know, Peters, I know he's gone now or he's leaving, but he was one of their top guys. McCaffrey was their number one guy. Milton was their number one, number two guy. Uh, McNamara was way up their board too, probably a top three type guy. Uh, J.D. Johnson was the first. I wouldn't say he was their number one, but he was way, he was pretty high up there as well. And then McCarthy was definitely their number one in 2021. So it just, they continue to build in that, yeah. in the quarterback room there, right? I mean, that, and that's, if there's one position you want to be loaded at, it's, it's quarterback, you know? And so, but again, could argue on film anyway, most talented quarterback that has committed to Michigan, definitely under Harbaugh. Obviously, you go back to five or six years. Or that by default he's probably more talented than anybody they recruited during that era you know so um big time commitment for them the one thing too a big a visible national quarterback recruit is kind of the one deal where it can, may have an impact on some other guys like i'm not usually big on a 
big time recruit commits so other guys may follow suit but in yeah. this case a quarterback who commits really early which he did you know and is as talented as he is and as highly regarded and ranked as he is you know that's the kind of recruit that could maybe have a little bit of an impact on your recruiting class so 2021 is looking great for them early uh el hadi's the top 100 guy mccarthy's a top 100 guy they're in on a whole bunch of guys as well um a lot of potential in that class right now so uh, but again, long ways to go. But really, you get McCarthy, I don't think you could have asked for a better start. Well, Steve, let's run down some of the other kids in the class of 2020 uh, that we're in on. Some of them, um, the Crystal Balls, uh, 24-7 sports have them a heavy lean to Michigan. Others, uh, maybe not so much. Uh, one of the kids that really is interesting to me is Miles Hinton. He's a four-star. He's committed to Stanford right now. Is there a chance that he might flip uh, before signing day? Uh, I'd be very surprised much like when Chris committed to Michigan they are I know his family you know his dad is the former all-pro offensive lineman I believe he was Mm -hmm. in the John Elway trade if I remember right yeah um yeah and turned out to be an all-pro himself (laughs) they they're big on sticking behind their commitment so you know when Miles decided to commit to Stanford I'm for all intents and purposes, again, much like maybe Justin Rogers, where Michigan probably will keep a line out there just in case, like, you know, who knows if, if they struggle, if Stanford struggles badly, or if they do really well, and maybe Shaw gets some NFL looks or something, maybe, but uh, not a guy I'd be banking much hope on if, if I was a Michigan fan at this point, you know, because again, you know, with Chris, he had Georgia, he had all kinds of schools that were really going after him hard kind of behind the scenes because he didn't really like talking about it or didn't care enough to talk about it you know after he committed to Michigan uh, you know but he never wavered on his commitment at all and and so I think it's kind of a deal with their family that's the way they do things and so uh, I would expect Miles to eventually sign with Stanford for sure. Well another kid we've been hearing a lot about is A.J. Henning the uh, wide receiver and I think he visited recently he's reportedly in Notre Dame lean is there anything changing there Steve? Yeah, I think Michigan's Josh Gaddis, Sharon Moore, uh, doing a really, really good job in this recruitment. I, I think more than any guy in this in this cycle, he kind of personifies the speed and space stuff. You know that Gaddis has been preaching so much, as far as a guy who just can do major damage in the open field. You know, if you get him in there, and and that's what Michigan's been going heavy with. You know, kind of basically pitching to him that he would be a centerpiece of their offense you know if he was assigned there he's going to be back again I want to say next month and I think it's for an official visit you know I know Notre Dame leads the crystal ball right now mm-hmm. but and I, I think it's probably like 80 20 or something like that yeah. uh, I think it's much closer than that right now I think Michigan has made a ton of progress in that recruitment in the last few months spurred by Gaddis I mean he's not a guy that they just started recruiting after Gaddis got hired I mean they put some feelers out uh you know he was an early offer for them I mean he's a guy that the rest of the staff is really familiar with um but Gaddis has really kind of put it into overdrive and it's it's definitely it's one recruitment that he's had a, a really big impact on so I think it's definitely closer than what the crystal ball says for Notre Dame I think a lot of those predictions are pretty old uh because I, he was a pretty heavy Notre Dame lean early on um but I think Michigan has definitely closed the gap uh it wouldn't surprise me if they led right now uh, but again, there's still a little bit to go there. I'm not sure if he'll commit before his senior season or not. Um, but it, those would be the two schools probably out in front. I know he likes Georgia too, uh, is another one. But 
I think most people think he's probably going to stay relatively closer to home. Brayden McGregor from Port Huron, of course, is a player we have talked about in State Kids, so we've talked about him for a long time now. From what I understand, he's set to announce on Friday, and I know it's always seemed like it's going to be Michigan, but Notre Dame is still hanging around in the picture, aren't they, Steve? So, yeah. Uh, you know, Michigan, Notre Dame, <laughs> more than most cycles, would, and they usually do meet for quite a few guys uh, every recruiting class, but this class, more than others, it feels like, a lot of Michigan, Notre Dame, you know, even going back, talking about Zinter, uh, who committed, you know, as a guy that was pretty much down to maybe Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State. With McGregor, uh, I got to give Notre Dame a lot of credit because I think there was a, it was for a long time, I, I don't want to say it was a foregone conclusion, but I think for, the, for a while there, I think the consensus was that McGregor would eventually commit to Michigan. I still, I mean, my crystal ball, like, I don't, I, I, it sounds like I'm leading into saying something negative. Uh, my crystal ball is still on Michigan with the announcement coming on Friday. I don't expect to change it right now. Um, but Notre Dame's done a really good job in, like, making this a heated race. I mean, this has been one of the more heated recruitments that Michigan's been involved in, which makes sense because McGregor's a potential, like, five-star guy. You know, and Notre Dame's already got two D linemen committed. I think they were only planning on signing three or four. So they've really done a good job in kind of pitching the whole, you can be the final piece of the puzzle type deal. You know, the proximity's there too. It's not like South Bend's that far from Port Huron. Uh, I know Ann Arbor's closer, but again, South Bend is a very drivable distance for family and that type of stuff. So, um, you know, he's, he's something else. He's going to be a big time prospect. Uh, you know, and then this is going to be, I've argued since, you know, when McGregor, we had him ranked as a three star for a long time. And I, went on our board and, and said that I thought that McGregor was the top overall target mm-hmm. for Michigan in this cycle and got laughed at at the time. And, um, you know, I laugh now <laughs> because people shouldn't doubt me when I say like, you know, strong <laughs> things like that, I guess yeah, you, know, I don't, yeah. I don't just throw that around lightly. Right. Um, and so, uh, and so like, you know, it's, it's pretty clear now because they need guys on the edge, you know, with Hinton, they're probably going to slide inside. Mozzie Smith is an inside guy. Uh, Ojabo may even slide inside too, depending on how much weight he puts on, you know, in the last cycle, you know, they need a few like pure edge rush type guys and McGregor might be the best one in this class. And he's right in their backyard, you know? So all those factors combined, you know, I think kind of make him the number one overall guy. So Friday is going to be really interesting. You know, he, and again, I don't, this is not a kid where I think he, I think when he makes his decision, I think I suspect he'll be done. And then I suspect that whoever he commits to is going to try like crazy to make sure that he signs in and enrolls early. Um, because if he continues his progression, you know, he's a potential year one impact kind of guy, in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, this, this is, this is, he's that big of a deal in, in, in my eyes. So, so yeah, I mean, this, uh, this is kind of a big one for Michigan. Uh, we'll see what happens. Like I said, my crystal ball staying on Michigan though. Uh, I've heard nothing to suggest that I should change it. And, um, would be a big one. You know, this would be, again, you talk about like new coaches on staff, Sean knew a, uh, great would really be a nice, nice win for him. When you consider that Michigan kind of had to overcome Madison leaving because Madison was the primary for McGregor at the beginning mm-hmm. of his recruitment. And, you know, it's not easy for a new guy to come in and kind of, rebuild that 
that bridge, you know, because as, as much as people say it and, and it's in a perfect world, maybe when they tell you, you should commit to the school, not the coaches. Uh, I it's just, it's never going to work out that way because the coaches are the ones you build a relationship with. The coaches are the ones that are, you know, giving you, trying to illustrate to you why this school is the best fit for you, you know, and, you know, so it's, it's not as simple as just committing to a school. I mean, you are still committing to the people, you know, so for a guy like Nua to come in from all the way across the country too, really probably no little or no experience recruiting this part of the country at all, uh, you know, to come in and kind of build that, rebuild that bridge and continue those relationships would be a great first step, you know, for him on the recruiting trail. I mean, it'd be a huge win. He's, that's again, another name too is Sharon Moore, who if you listen close enough to these podcasts or our podcasts or the articles, uh, he's involved in like a ton of recruitments, you know, he's, whether it's a defensive guy, offensive guy, um, he seems to be in and around most of their big time recruits, which, you know, is a pretty good indicator that the staff thinks highly of him. So yeah, Nua Moore, Don Brown, I mean, everyone's been involved in the McGregor one, but you know, Nua and, and Moore really kind of led the charge there. Well, another kid you mentioned earlier was Noah Nelson, um, an offensive uh, lineman. Earlier, I believe his crystal ball was 100% Michigan, or it was uh, at least leaning towards Michigan. And as you said, uh, with such a great class last year, he committed to uh, Oklahoma. But is there a reason to believe that could change too? Nah, I don't think so. I I don't know if he's a guy that they'll continue with or not. Because that's what I say, they're in with so many other offensive lineman I don't think the losses at least right now hurt as much as they would if they were you know if they were only like in the top group for like a handful of guys but they just they seem to be in the top group for almost for like double digit guys which again I mean it might not mean anything if they miss on all these guys but you know my point is that they're in such a constant they they seem to be near at the top for enough guys to where I you know, it's going to take like a a Hinton or a Rogers that we talked about before as like a an, a an elite elite guy for them to maybe kind of keep going with Nelson. I think is a guy. He was a guy they wanted. I mean, it was a loss. I mean, I missed on the crystal ball there. I thought he was going to commit to Michigan for sure. I'm actually I was actually really surprised when I found out he committed to Oklahoma. And and like I said, I after digging on it a little bit more, it just sounded like Oklahoma was did a better job of painting an earlier you know, painting a quicker way to the field uh, there than Michigan was able to, you know, because I know Michigan, he definitely favored Michigan academically. And from everything I've been told, uh, favored Michigan, the campus and just the experience. So, you know, that's where depth chart can be such a big factor, but uh, not a guy necessarily that, like I said, it was a loss, but not a guy necessarily. I think they kind of keep going with, I think they're in on enough other tackles, you know, and, and, just lineman period that they can still be kind of picky and choosy. Well, you know, it seems like we've offered a lot of really high-level defensive ends. Uh, Antoine Powell, who I guess we're battling Virginia Tech for. We've also got Bryce Mostella with an offer out there. And there's Brandon Taylor. How many defensive ends do you think we're going to take in this class? Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to say. It's always hard to say. Um, you know, I always say, ask me in February after signing day because that's it it seems to become become that just because you never know with attrition and injury or whatever there's so many factors that can change these numbers but i would say probably i mean three would be it sounds like a good number right now um but it's always going to depend on who you know i don't know if it's a position where they'll reach on a guy 
yeah, you thought you mentioned Powell especially. You know, I think that he and McGregor kind of the top guys in that regard uh, on the edge. Mustella, I don't really think they've been recruiting him that hard over the last four or five months or so. Um, Taylor's a guy that they recently offered, but he's, again, Taylor's a guy that may slide inside. I mean, he's a, one of those guys that some hamburgers, you know, and he could be a tackle, you know, he could be a three tacker, so, you know, like yeah. that. Um, so, but on the edge, uh, McGregor, Powell, definitely the top guys, but that number just changes so much. And, you know, they're also always going to be on the lookout for like a Josh Uche type too, who I, I don't care if he's listed as a linebacker. He's not a linebacker in my opinion. Like he's there to get after the quarterback, um, you know, and they're recruiting a couple guys in that type of spot too, like a, a Jalen Harrell out of Tampa, Florida is a guy I think that they like in that Uche spot. And so, you know, I, so maybe three in that regard then, because like I said, like I believe Uche's listed on the roster as a linebacker, but yeah. I don't care what anybody says. He's not a linebacker in my opinion, at least not the way that Michigan uses him. And, uh, you know, so I count him as like an edge. And then so like I guess that's be, be the type of guy would maybe make that number three for sure. And, uh, you know, this, it looks, like I said, it de- depends. You know, you get Chris Hinton on campus in about two weeks, and then you get him on the field and you find out, well, maybe he is going to stick out on the edge or maybe play the three tech. I mean, that might dictate what you do at your, at each position as well, you know? So like, there's still questions I think that need to be answered, but uh, three ish, I guess, to give you a two second answer to the, I follow up my 38 second explanation there. So <laughs> another kid, uh, it's a defensive end. I saw you tweet about him uh, on Monday is Van Fellinger. Uh, right now he's a three star his crystal ball is 100% Michigan. Sounds like his visit went very, very well. He loved it. So with this kid, do you think it's just a matter of time before he commits, Steve? Possibly. Now, he's another guy I think would probably slide inside in college. I think he's at about 255, 260 right now. You know, and that's a junior in high school, which means there's plenty of time for him to get bigger. Uh Family has family from Detroit, so Michigan was the big offer for him. He's he has, his dad, I believe, is from Detroit. He still has family in the area, even though he lives. I think he plays at Corner Canyon High School in Utah. Mm-hmm. You know, not a place you normally find a guy that has like Michigan roots like that. that. Um, but as far as it being a matter of time, like I kind of get the impression that this will be Michigan's call if they can if they're going to keep pushing or not. I. I kind of feel like they're going to just because I, I mean, I, he's a, I think he's a really good player. I think he's probably underranked to be honest with you. I mean, he's been really good at all of the off season camps that he's been to, you know, and that's being surrounded by a lot of other guys who are ranked higher than he is. So um, they definitely have the inside. They have like, you know, that ace in their sleeve with the connections and stuff there. My crystal ball has been on Michigan. I'm going to keep it there unless I find out, that something's changed because like I said I think if Michigan pushes and stays on him and makes him a priority then I think that it's a race that they'll eventually win um but again you know we'll just you get to the point you know in the process where you know if you're in on eight guys right you got to kind of make some decisions uh I think he's a guy probably on the borderline in that regard this is just my intuition this isn't like inside info or anything like that necessarily but um you know, you get to a point where you got to make some decisions and stuff. And I think uh, he's a guy 
that if they push for, I think they'd be in a good position with. But my crystal ball staying for now, for sure. Let's talk about the running back situation in the class of 2020. Uh, we've been talking about Blake Corum. He's a four-star running back. Is he still a strong Michigan lean? And who else uh, in the class, as far as a running back, is really interested in Michigan? So with Corum, yeah, I still, he's another one. I So I have my crystal ball on Michigan, I think, three months before anybody else did. It's still 100% in Michigan's favor. Uh, I don't anticipate that that's going to change. You know, they have the St. Francis. You talk about a connection. There's the St. Francis Academy connection there with Biff Pogey, which, you know, people waited forever for it to benefit Michigan as guys can continue to commit to Alabama from the program. But I think it's finally starting. They've got two commitments from there this cycle, and they're in good shape with Corum as well. Um, So that might quiet that complaint down a little bit. Um, another guy to watch is is Jabari Small out of Memphis, Tennessee. Now, both Small and Corum are much more of your all-purpose type rush receiver type guys. You know, got, not a guy that's going to maybe line up and take 30 carries mm-hmm. in a given game, although I think Corum may be a little more capable of doing so. But, you know, guys that they're going to – you know, again, you're talking about when you shift your philosophy in offense, you're going to start recruiting a different – some different types of players, right? And so these are guys, not saying Michigan wouldn't have recruited them. I just don't know if they maybe would take two types like that in the same class, but there's no doubt right now that they would take both of those guys if they wanted in. So, um, you know, Michigan, I believe, is going to see Jabari Small. I know they just saw him, but I think they're going to be back to see him again this week. Um, Ole Miss Legacy. His dad played at Ole Miss, and actually Ole Miss just offered him yesterday. So I don't know how much of that of an impact that will have. But I do know Michigan right now is probably up front in that recruitment. He visited last month, had a great visit. Three-star guy, kind of one of those guys I'm interested to see how his ranking and rating fluctuates. You know, Michigan's really done such a good job in evaluating the running back position. Uh, I still talk – you know, we had people upset about – they're, they're recruiting three stars at the running back position when I think Charbonnet was literally a three star at this time last year. Um, not saying that either of these guys will, you know, be borderline five stars like what he became, but again, there's a lot of room for upward mobility there with, for people that care about that stuff. Michigan doesn't care, but, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, they're definitely going with a more all purpose type deal this cycle, but they're still going to want to take your 25, 30 carry type guy. Um, one guy they recently offered, I think the people might want to keep an eye on is a kid named Kyle Edwards out of Desterhan, Louisiana. You know, it feels like it's been forever since Michigan signed somebody from Louisiana, oh, but yeah. as you probably know, Mike, I mean, yeah. they actually have a rich, Michigan kind of quietly has a rich history of, of running backs coming out of Louisiana, you know, and, and Desterhan's one of the few programs in state where kids are apt to leaving. Again, here Notre Dame, probably another school that Edwards is really heavily considering. Uh, Michigan offered him last week. I suspect they'll get him on campus at some point. You know, he's kind of a name to watch as far as more of your standard, like, running back. You know, you're the guy, the classic type guy, you know. And so, um, because we know, they signed Charbonnet in, in 2019. They lost Eric Gray to Tennessee. They didn't really take another guy that projects strictly to running back. I mean, we'll see if they use Giles Jackson in an all-purpose type role or not. Either way, it's probably the biggest need 
on their board this cycle, in my opinion. Um, and I would suspect that they're probably going to try to take three guys with, like I said, maybe like a two all-purpose type and then one, your, your bell cow, you know, 25, 30 carry type guy. Well, you know, when you look at uh, the offers that uh, Jim Harbaugh and staff have out there, Jim, as we know, likes uh, the guys that have that athlete designation. Uh, a couple that I've seen film on and really look interesting to me. One is uh, R.J. Moten. He's a good-sized kid, six foot, 200 pounds. And you've got William uh, Mohan, I think is how you pronounce that, six foot, 195 mm-hmm. pounds. If you get those kids, uh, and again, they have that athlete designation, what do you think Michigan is looking to do with them? So Moten's going to be interesting. Well, the thing with Moten, safety right now, but Michigan, Chris Partridge, have Michigan in excellent position with a bunch of safeties, really. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. You, know, you talk about a position that kind of used to be really a position I always felt like they kind of recruited underwhelmingly. I don't even know if that's a word, um, but that's <laughs> how I feel about it. And, and you know, then you go out and sign Daxon Hill in, in 19, and now 2020, Michigan leaves the crystal ball for Jordan Morant. They leave the crystal ball for R.J. Moten. They're right in it for Elijah Gaines out of uh, Episcopal in Alexandria, Virginia, which is where Luigi Villain came from. And they're right in the thick of it for Malcolm Green out of Highland Springs, Virginia, a four-star guy who they absolutely love. You know, and, and so the thing with like a guy like Moten, who's I think has a more positional flexibility than the other three guys I just named, you know, it's like they may find a different spot for him. Because you know, he's the type of kid, I think you kind of, with a lot of these guys, you just you take them and then you figure out what to do with them when they get there. You know, it's like I remember when I thought Michigan should have recruited Ladarius Jefferson out of Muskegon a couple of years ago who ended up going to Michigan State and was their starting running back as a true freshman. Was that the reason they didn't move forward with him was because they weren't really 100% sure what position they wanted to play him at. You know, my thought was, like, who cares? Like, he just knows how to play football. Like, you get him there and then just put him in pads and, you know, just kind of figure it out, you know. And uh, Moten, I think, is definitely a guy that sort of fits that role. But I did say, as things stand right now, he's he's being recruited as a safety. So, um, you know, it just may depend on which of those other guys, if they get, if they get one or two of those other guys, then the quite before Moten, let's say, wants to decide, then it's up to them to decide, well, you know, do we want three safeties or do we just take him and just kind of figure it out later? So with Mohan too, he's more of the Viper type spot. And I think that, you know, he's listed as an athlete, but I'm 99% confident that that's really where Michigan wants him. Like, I don't think he, I think he's a guy that if they were to uh, get him and sign him that, that that's where he would play and start his career. So, which, you know, that, that, that spot is, they always want to take at least one guy, you know, that designated at that spot. They took a couple last cycle in, in Velasquez and uh, Anthony Solomon, you know, but you always want to take at least one because, you know, that spot's so important in Don Brown's defense. So, uh, but he's might be the top guy there. Uh, another guy, again, I'm not just saying these because these are Michigan guys that they really want, but another guy that kind of looks underrated to me, uh, we have him as a three-star. I kind of think he's a four-star level guy. A good player. Was on campus about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan leads the crystal ball there, too. So, But, yeah, Moten, safety, but could be an athlete. Mohan, specifically, more of a viper for sure. 
Well, any other kids that we haven't mentioned yet, Steve, and there are a ton of offers out there, but any who are uh, trending towards Michigan maybe will uh, announce in these coming summer months? Boy, off the top of my head, I feel like we kind of went through a lot of the, you know, because they, mm-hmm. they've been kind of recently expanding their wide receiver board a little bit. Kind of too many guys to name there. Roma Dunsey, uh, Corey Wren out of Louisiana. He's a kid they'll be seeing this week. You know, there's have been expanding that board a little bit you know linebacker I'm trying to think you know I mentioned Jalen Harrell out of Tampa is a guy that I think they're really interested in again uh Mohan cornerback they've made a few offers they just offered a kid named uh Arian Smith yesterday out of Jacksonville you know it's probably a guy you know usually you offer a an elite guy because he's a top 100 guy like if you offer an elite guy that late you're probably at least going to try to make a strong push for him at least temporarily because i mean a top 100 kid in this class he's been recruited by some of these schools for two years probably so mm-hmm. you're you're really getting in you really are getting in late i'm not a big hey you got in too late kind of guy but they get you know you get in pretty late like there's just no way around it so but besides that i mean i feel like probably the majority of them i mean they're they're it's that time of the cycle where they're in a really good position with a lot of the guys they really want just a matter of how many of them you know maybe want to get things over with or how many of them want to take it through the season you know because the ones that want to take it through the season the recruitment will at least partially be dictated by the product on the field you know and then the guys that commit now you know are guys that are more much obviously much more likely to stick but you'll still have to monitor you know provided the results in the field whatever they are yeah. you know if you start to lose then yeah then you got to fight to keep some of these guys but you, I mean there's no doubt you'd rather have more verbals heading into the season than have that stuff being questioned. You know, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Well, everything has changed in the last couple of years, as we all know. Once the signing date or eight, one of the signing dates was changed to December, it, it changed the recruiting world forever. And it seems like, I don't know if this is a trend, but it seems uh, that more of these kids want to commit before their senior year, their high school season starts, just get it out of the way. And then, of course, there are others that uh, wait until December, but do you see these these early commitments in the summer as maybe a trend to, to watch, Steve? Big time, especially because there's also the early official visit period too. I think that's as big of a deal as the early signing period, because I mean, like I said, you, well, let's take a guy like uh, McGregor. I mean, like I said, these are kids that have been recruited by these schools for two years. You know, whether mm-hmm. it be you know, th- that they can't contact them directly until the, I think, September 1st of their junior year. But, you know, they've been stopping at the school. They've been sending mail. Like, you know, like they've been, these guys have been recruited for a long time. And it's like, I think in a lot of cases for these kids and their families, it's like, you know, you already kind of have some sort of idea which schools you prefer. You know, what's, what, what is three more months going to do? And, and, you know, so you get the opportunity to take an official in the spring, you know, when, when either school's almost out or school is out, you know, and you kind of get some time to concentrate on this stuff. A lot of guys, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys, I think it makes total sense. They do want to get it over with. You know, a lot, most of these guys, their first allegiance right now is to their high school team, mm-hmm. you know, and what, what it's the best way for them to – make put all their concentration towards their high school team when they don't aren't taking official visits for four or five weeks during your football season 
you know, as before the early official visit period, I mean, a, a kid taking five officials was pretty much flying out of town Friday night after their high school football game yeah. to make sure they got on whatever campus they were going to Saturday morning so they'd be there in time for the whatever game, you know, they were visiting for. So, you know, I think it just logistically makes a ton of sense for the kids and their families, not so much for the college staffs because now it's a, it's a whole other two months where kids can officially visit. You know, it just yeah. continues this extension of the recruiting calendar for these guys uh, who are already, in my opinion, overworked. Um, you know, and then the, with the December signing period, yeah, uh, again, a big benefit for the kids because, again, it's something they can just – they don't have to worry about it anymore. It's done in December. They don't have to wait two more months. You know, if you're 100% sure you want to sign with uh, Michigan or Notre Dame or Ohio State and you wanted to sign in December, that eliminates two more months of staffs still bugging you you know, or calling you or trying to get you to come back and visit one more time before February signing day, you know, and, but again, it, it makes recruiting, it puts so much more pressure and, and, uh, stress on the coaching staff because a lot of times they're trying to prep for a bowl game, but then they're all now all of a sudden they're also having to worry about trying to sign, you know, cause Michigan didn't sign anybody in February last cycle. Right. You know, they signed their entire class was signed in December. But there were still guys that they needed. It wasn't like a, uh, hey, you know, everything's hunky-dory. They're all just going to sign. I mean, you still have to recruit your guys to the bell. And so that means that they're having to do it, you know, after the last game and before the bowl game, you know, that that's one of them becomes one of the more stressful recruiting periods of the year. So, you know, it's been a big benefit. Like I said, been a big benefit for the kids, not so much for the coaching staffs and the uh, recruiting departments. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, they're, I guess on the flip side, they're almost all of them are paid pretty good money. So, you know, what difference does it make? I suppose. So, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's changed things for the better for the kids. Not a surprise. I think it's going to continue. I'm interested to see what the percentages are. I think our guys at 24 seven, keep a decent track, at least of the four of the top 24 seven, you know, who commits during the early, uh, official visit period and, and then who signs in December. And I think the numbers were like, it was like 82 or 83 percent signed in December last year, so uh, it's definitely been a game changer. Easier for me, uh, you know, like gives us more to write about in May and June. <laughs> exactly. And then it makes it easier December. We don't really, you know, I don't even think I worked on the second signing day this year because there was nothing to write about. So definitely changed things up. Well, there should be a lot of developments this summer, so we'll uh, keep our eyes peeled on that. Before we let you go, though, Steve. Uh, this isn't a football or a recruiting question, but it's uh, the hot topic right now. Who will the next Michigan basketball coach be? Uh, sounds like Warden Manuel is down to maybe three or four guys. I don't think we really know, but you read that a decision could be made later this week. Who would you like to see as the next head coach? Oh, boy. Um, don't you like how people, like fans, immediately threw out names like Brad Stevens right. and, and so that they could just set themselves up for uh, imminent disappointment when somebody doesn't want to leave the Boston freaking Celtics to coach <laughs> and recruit again in college basketball. Like, no, it's just, it's, that was the funniest part of this whole thing. I mean, it happens every coaching search, probably at every program, but you're setting yourself up to be just, you know, something to come, just another thing for people to complain about when you're throwing names out there that you know, you know, are not going to be interested in the job. You know, and that's not a knock on what, you know, Michigan to me is a top 10 job at this point, you know, but Brad Stevens or even Billy Donovan, who I thought for a minute 
might be a guy just because I don't see Oklahoma City going anywhere anytime soon, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. that'd be an easy way out for him, you know, to go coach at a program like Michigan. But even then, you know, it's like people just setting themselves up. For me, of the na- of the names that are appear to be at the top of the list, you know, the one thing is like I, I, can't, I can't understand people's knock on Juwan Howard is if he's good enough to interview for an NBA job, how is he not good enough to be the coach at Michigan? Remove the fact of all the connections he has to the program. Like, if there's a guy out there who's interviewing for NBA head coaching jobs, how on earth is he not qualified enough to be a head coach at a, you know, a Big Ten college program? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You add in all the connections he has to the program, the passion he has for the University of Michigan. I mean, of all the guys listed, I think he's the best fit. I also don't understand why people don't think he'd be a great recruiter. I mean, he pretty much recruited the rest of the Fab Five as a high schooler to come play with him. I mean, he was the, if I remember right, Mike, you might remember more than me, but I believe he was the first guy of those five to commit to Michigan. He was, he was. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, you, you put a guy like that back, you know, in the saddle at Michigan, I think, I think the potential would be there for him to recruit really, really well. You know, um, I think, I, I guess he'd have to be my pick. I'm not as down on Shaka smart as other people are either. The more I talk to our Texas people uh, that say, you know, they fought a ton of injury issues, you know, he's a great recruiter, that type of deal. Uh, I don't really get the Ed Cooley hype. Uh, not or actually there really hasn't been any hype. I think his candidacy has been pretty much universally panned, you know, and, and then you see the connection between the agency that's running the search and Cooley, who they, there's like, they know each other. You know, kind of like okay, like you know, whatever. I, I I'd go with I honestly I go with Juwan Howard. I, I guess I'm more of this idea. If if you're not going to get an A-list name, which again I I think that was always going to be a long shot no matter what. I, I'd you know I'd rather swing for the fences than take a guy who's coaching 500 ball, you know, somewhere else. I know you know Providence. Not a great program. I, I get he's done a pretty decent job there, and, and with, but with Shaka Smart, Texas is, has more resources than almost anybody. You know, maybe they've fought some adversity, they've had some issues and stuff, but still, I mean, he's basically been a 500 coach there. Um, I'd rather swing for the fences with a guy like Howard, who you know is going to put it all on the line for for Michigan. Uh, and and again, this isn't like just this isn't just handing the job to some former player like he literally just interviewed for an NBA coach at coaching job last week like you know there's obviously he's well regarded in NBA circles uh you know if he's if he's interviewing for some of these jobs so uh it'd be I mean it'd be pretty I think it'd be neat but again I also think it'd be a solid hire uh, yeah just uh of the names that are being bandied about you know and it's like you know, we'll just have to see I don't know I just I think that the knocks on Howard have been just kind of odd, I guess. That's all. Like, I, I don't know where people come up with the idea that he would not be able to recruit. Uh, that's just, I, I feel like it's in his blood. Like I said, I always, because that's the thing, first thing I thought when his name popped up was like, wasn't even about the NBA stuff. It was more like, hey, man, he'll probably be able to recruit. Because that's what he did when he was when he was being recruited. He turned into a recruiter. I was like, I want to say that Steve Fisher said that Juwan Howard did a better job recruiting the Fab Five than he did. He did. He did say that. Right, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's like you're telling me that, and all of a sudden he can't really, like they're gonna knock. I don't know. Uh, just, 
Um, like I said, and then you add in the connection, the passion that he, you know, has for the University of Michigan, and I just I think it's a it's a potential home run fit, you know. But again, you're it's going to be hard to replace, you know, what was lost, you know. And so uh, kind of a shell shock to begin with, you know, when this all happened or whatever. But Beeline leaving says as much about the state of college basketball right now as as anything. We're taping on Tuesday morning. I believe Juwan Howard is coming into town today for his interview. Cooley Mm -hmm. from Providence was in Monday, reportedly. I thought it was interesting, though, that James mentioned in his piece, I think it was James Hawkins in the Detroit News, Michigan's beat writer, fine beat writer. Uh, He mentioned Luke Yaklich interviewed on Friday. You know, a lot of times those kind of interviews are courtesy interviews, you know, that an athletic director does with someone already on staff. Do you think Luke Yaklich has any realistic chance of getting the job? Yeah, I mean, I'd say this. I personally... I mean, I'd almost, I'd almost take him over Cooley or, or Shaka Smart, to be honest with you. I just, he'd continue. There'd be a lot of continuity there. He's defensive-minded enough to know that his his last or his, you know, his replacement assistant hire would probably have to be like a great offensive mind. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, to go that route, because again, he's definitely much more of a defensive-oriented guy. Mm-hmm. I think he. Not that this matters a ton, but I think he'd be their by far their best shot to keep the current recruiting class together. Now I know Jalen Wilson decommitted, but you know, he was pretty open with our national guy that you know Michigan, who depending on who Michigan hires, that he's going to definitely you know keep them in mind. It's not a uh, type deal, you know. So I think he'd be their best chance to keep their guys that they have committed in line and, and Zeb Jackson also a, a you know big time 2020 point guard that's already committed so you know I like I said I'm I don't know I'm much more of a uh, swing for the fences type guy like I said especially in this college basketball the way college basketball is nowadays anyway I mean I just don't I think uh, you're running the risk of really just you know the fan base I think you always kind of have to make a, a hire that most rational people in the fan base are going to be excited about and I just don't see especially again not a knock on Ed Cooley maybe he's going to be a great coach I don't know just this the resume just the whole deal does not scream Michigan caliber head coach to me uh much like when they when Porter Moser was one of the first names that came out was like you know I'm sure the guy's a good basketball coach but it, it does get to a point where you have to kind of say you know this is this is Michigan you know, this isn't, you know, if, if was it Miami, I don't know who it was that almost beat Loyola in the tournament. Like if that guy makes that shot, like there's this guy's net, his name is never even popping up, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know what I mean? And so, um, and you know, and so it's like, it's just like, you know, when you hear some of these names that are a little less desirable than some of the others, I think, you know, it's much more, I lean much more towards, giving you know like i think yaklich he's, a, he's probably he's going to be a head coach at some point anyway um but he already knows the culture at michigan uh he's a great he's a great recruiter too i mean he was the he, i believe he's the primary on both uh jalen wilson and cole Bajima, who you know were part of the 19 class you know so he can definitely recruit you know he like i said i think he there'd be the best shot of keeping things the way they are while, you know, maybe opening things up to hopefully take the next step. But again, it's just, 
it's just hard to, no matter who they hire, to sit here and say that Michigan is going to have a better guy on the bench next year than they did last year. I mean, it's just it's, people have to look in the mirror and face that fact, I think. Amen to that, but we should have some resolution to that if reports are correct later this week, so we'll just uh, wait and see. Should be uh, should be very interesting. But as always, uh, the recruiting world is buzzing, and um, good stuff from our guest, as always, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. So my listeners love it, Steve, so we look forward to getting together next month in June and seeing what's changed. Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, another great season has come to an end for Carol Hutchins and Michigan softball. We won the first two games of the regional, beating St. Francis on Friday, then winning a 12-inning pitcher's duel 1-0 on Saturday against James Madison. Sunday's action was rained out, so on Monday we needed just one win, and it was on to the Super Regionals. What we saw were two more pitching duels between two of the very best in college softball. Michigan's Megan Bobian and James Madison's Megan Good. We dropped the first game 3 to nothing and then lost a thriller in the championship game 2 to 1. We just couldn't get the bats going, but give credit to Megan Good again she is one of the best pitchers in college softball. Congratulations to coach Hutchins and her team on another great and very entertaining season. Baseball will be in the Big 10 tournament this week down in Omaha. They are the number 2 seed and enter the tournament with a 38 and 16 record overall. 16-7 and seven in the Big Ten. So good luck to Coach Eric Bakich and his team this week. Remember, our free show app is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you get the show on iTunes, please take a minute to rate or comment on the program. We thank you in advance. As most of you know, we're on our summer schedule of two shows a month until August. So our next program will air on June 6th, and it will be episode... 501. It is so hard to believe that today's show is the 500th in our almost 10 years of producing The Michigan Man. And we thank all of you for being with us uh, each and every week. And we look forward to another 500 episodes. But that will do it for this week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until we meet again, take care. And as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!